Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. All right, welcome to episode number 143 of Touchpoint. I am Reed Smith, joined by Chris Boyer, and we are recording in front of a live studio audience at the 2019. Thank you. In front of the audience here at the 2019 Mayo Clinic Annual Social Media Conference in Rochester, Minnesota. Reed, this is the first time I think we recorded in front of a live audience, so um, hopefully we don't get stage fright. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more people that are usually staring at me when I record the show. Uh, we are joined by a few folks. We'll get to that in just one second. I uh, did want to quick plug the website. For those of y'all that are here, this is on the screens. Mm-hmm. side of here. Uh, Touchpoint.health is the website. Jump out there and you can check out not only our show, but the other ones that are on the Touchpoint Media Network. Uh, those of y'all who heard Dr. V speak, he has a podcast called The Exam Room, so great to check out. Uh, rate, review, subscribe wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. Hopefully, we have some podcast listeners here with us today, yeah. and uh, we appreciate uh, appreciate the support. We sure do. And when you go out to our website, be sure to subscribe to our weekly email newsletter. We call it the TPS Report. It's delivered to you. Um, it's curated. Yeah, Office Space fans. Yeah. Um, for those of you who are interested in digital, digital marketing, digital experience, digital communications in healthcare, it's content that's curated by all the podcast hosts and that we, we send out. It's a free email. We don't use your data for any nefarious purposes. We that just, you know of. Yeah, that you know of. Yeah. We just send you content because we like to curate content. That's right. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with our esteemed uh, guest. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. All right, well, welcome back. Um, We are really excited today to have a host of people sitting up here today, I guess a a panelist, but also host because we are in their esteemed uh, hollowed halls of the Mayo Clinic or just adjacent to the hollowed halls of the Mayo Clinic. And what and who are sitting up here, we're going to let them introduce themselves one by one, but they are the people that not only set up the conference that we're all at today, they actually work on the day-to-day management of social media. 
And so why don't we start with the person just adjacent to me here on the left. Sure. My name is Audrey Lane Seymour, and I'm the social media specialist for Mayo Clinic based in the Jacksonville, Florida location. So I manage Florida news for Mayo Clinic and also, along with Stacy and Margaret, manage the accounts. Awesome. And my name is Stacy Theobald, and I'm a coordinator at Mayo Clinic in the Center for Social Media. And my primary role is to maintain the content calendar, as well as um, respond um, to our comments that come in on all of our platforms. My name is Margaret Shepard, and I am the communication specialist based in our Rochester campus with Stacy. And my job is to handle Minnesota news, also do social media consults on the Minnesota campus, and help create content with Audrey Lane and Stacy for our social media accounts. Now, Reed, I'm really excited that they're all here, but one in particular that I've been trying to get on the show for a long time, and that was Margaret. For those of you who may not know, Margaret is my wife, and um, <laughs> she she listens to me record the podcast every week. Yeah, this is the first time she's been on. She's heard a lot of podcasts. Yeah, she certainly has. All right, so today we're going to talk a, a lot about how Mayo Clinic approaches social media. Uh, I hear a lot of these conferences, uh, um, people will say, well, you know, we're not Mayo Clinic. We don't do things the Mayo Clinic way. We're a small community hospital, what have you. I thought that it would be good inviting the three of them on today to talk a little bit about what they do, kind of, you know, um, take away the mystery of the, what they what they do, and maybe you'll see that a lot of the work that they do is very similar to what we all what we all do in social media, right, Reed? Absolutely. So I'm going to throw out a number. See if anybody knows what this means. Four million. 11,318. Anybody know what that means? Anyone know that, what that means on the panel? 11,000. Anyone in the audience? That's how many followers. That is the audience size of the Mayo Clinic. So if you look at Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, I kind of just looked at the primary ones. So followers, likes, you know, people that subscribe on YouTube, things like that. So that's big. That's different, I would say. Uh, I mean, I've got a big following, but I mean, for most people, yeah. um, that's a lot, right? Mm -hmm. So, does that make it easier or harder? Harder. Oh gosh, I guess I've never, I haven't added them up, so I kind hadn't realized. You, you kind of did a little bit. I'm a little freaked out to realize that we have four million followers. Um, but I think we have a lot of content. And that's where we're really lucky to work where we do. Um, a lot of our, we have an amazing communications team who helps us create a lot of our content. So I think sometimes it's easy to feed the beast that is our followers, but you're also trying to look for what resonates. And I think that's what makes it a little bit harder is that sometimes you put out a piece of content and you think this is going to be really, really great. And then you're kind of like, oh, I only got that many likes. Yeah. But other pieces of content you realize do really resonate and you're trying to work and strive to create those types of content. Patient stories come to mind. Is that's a piece of content that never gets old to our followers. So that's still a benchmark then even in your mind, like engagement, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I think most people look at like Mayo Clinic on Facebook, for example, and go, we could never have that many likes on a post or whatever. Um, I mean, y'all are doing the math in your head based on the community size and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's all relative, I guess, to some yeah. degree, right? Mm -hmm. And what I heard, too, is that sometimes you put stuff out that doesn't actually work. So, um, and I think that that's something that a lot of people listening in 
might be familiar with, right? So um, tell us a little bit about you know how you, you start thinking about that content. First of all, I heard, Margaret, you said that you get content from other team members. Is that right? Stacey, do you want to talk a little bit about how content is developed and maybe in, and how, it, how, it, how you start to do your content planning? Sure. We work closely with um, all the different um, specialty areas within Mayo Clinic and specifically our media relations team. Um, we also have a news network um, group at Mayo Clinic. They have their own channel that is a lot of media um, research um, information about um, news coming throughout Mayo Clinic. And so we filter a lot of that information and that content and put on our channels. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they, they're giving you social media ready content. You don't need to do any kind of modifications on it, right? Everybody knows the right kind of content? Yeah. No, <laughs> they provide us with the overview and then we... Um, <clears throat> You can modify it. Optimize it. Yeah, optim <laughs> optimize it. <laughs> That's for code for making it actually <laughs> real language, right? Yes. Is yes. that right? Right. And, uh, and you do this across three campuses, right, Audrey Lane? You right. work with the Jacksonville campus. Tell us a little bit about how three campuses, vastly disparate geographically, right. how do you kind of think about that? Yeah, well, it's hard because, like you said, we're all vastly different. We have campuses in Rochester, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Florida, and Scottsdale and Phoenix, Arizona. So we've got different audiences at the different locations. Um, our demographics are different, but one way that we um, try to remain and, and maintain a cohesive voice is having one Mayo Clinic account mm -hmm. on every platform. Mm -hmm. So Margaret, Stacy, and I will work together to try to weave in and ensure that we have Florida content um, mixed in with Minnesota, and we don't go, you know, days in a row without any content from one of the locations. Mm -hmm. I will receive content from radiology, for example, and um, sometimes we immediately are asked, "Hey, I want an account for my department," and then. Margaret, said, Margaret mentioned that she holds social media consults, and that's something that I do on my campus as well. And we try to encourage them to send us their, their content to share on the Mayo Clinic accounts because we do have over 4 million followers, which we just learned. Um, mm -hmm. But it's important to try to keep everything together kind of under one roof. So consults, and that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Margaret, tell us a little bit about what that is. Sure. So as Audrey Lane mentioned, you know, we'll get requests like everybody else probably in this room of a physician or a department comes up and says, I want a Facebook page. I want to reach everybody, so I want a Facebook page. And I think in my head, I'm like, well, do you really want a Facebook page? And I'm kind of, because that's the new brochure. Everybody thinks that that's going to solve all of their problems. And so we meet with them, the department. I usually make sure that everybody's in the room that has interest in this social media account. And I start to ask them, you know, well, what's your goal? Who's your audience? What are you really trying to do? And then work with them to kind of create the best plan. Mm. Okay. So um, I've got a question. So there's, there's three of y'all, obviously, sitting up here. You all do... Uh, some of the similar tasks and things like that. So how do you how do you staff that? I mean, are you, you guys on call at certain periods of time? Or I mean, like, because I know that's always bandwidth is always uh, a question 
uh, from hospitals, like how do you do these things? Like, and just the platforms in general. I mean, so I mean, obviously there's the content going out, which that's a little more planned and predictable, right. I guess. But then there's the community management aspect of it. So how, yeah. how does that work? So Monday through Friday, I'm the the point on managing the the comments or responding, and I just really freaked out about the four million followers because every time I post something or respond, I'm now thinking about all the people that are seeing that, and um, but. And then um, evenings, we have um, some of our communication staff that help us um, monitor specifically Facebook to alert us if there's any issues or um, suicide threats or things that we should be aware of. Um, and then on the weekends, our team rotates um, to help us kind of provide that 24-7. Obviously not 24-7, but we try to you know, mm -hmm. respond within that four hour range. Do you do this all manually or how does that all work? Yeah, we do have a, a management system that we use to, mm -hmm. that brings in all um, of the comments in all of our platforms together in one mm -hmm. um, so that we can easily go through and review and respond. And it also holds templates for us too so that it makes it easier and then we can modify them um, to meet the, the needs of the comments. Templates. Yeah. Tell us more about that. What do, what do you mean by templates? So like a standard response. So a lot of people want to know where Mayo Clinic's located. Huh? Um, some people don't know that you can Google it. It comes right up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one that we, we often have to respond to, that where we're located and then how to um, make an appointment. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other one is um, international. There's a different office for that. Um, suicide threat. And then diagnosis is another one people think. Now they they don't want to call and pick up the phone for an appointment, so they want to just send us an email or a message. Send a picture. Yeah. Send X-rays. Yes. They send X-rays. Yes. Yeah. To diagnose their conditions, so we nice. respond with our um, template that we cannot answer their medical conditions. And has that changed? I mean, you've only been doing this for a few years now. Obviously, Mayo Clinic's been online for a number of years, but it's the way that you think about your role changed over the last couple of years, or the way that you participate. I think we've started, and Margaret and Stacy chime in too, but I think we've started seeing more and more direct messages. Um, just today or yesterday, um, I saw a stat that showed like how many people were now um, not wanting to talk to someone. No, like no one wants to talk to someone, especially millennials. If you have to pick up the phone, then something has already gone wrong. Hmm. That's me. So, <laughs> so we're that way too, by the way. We've seen, yeah, we've seen more. We've seen an influx in direct messages. We've started using an auto reply feature on Facebook for after hours. Uh, direct messages, letting them know that we will respond during normal business hours, Monday through Friday. Um, I think our role has changed over the last few years to split our time more evenly and not only curating the content that goes out, but responding to messages and working with other departments, such as the Office of Patient Experience, yeah. to um, develop workflows. Wait, so talk, talk about that. So I think that's something interesting. Chris and I have talked about this a number of times uh, on a number of episodes, I'm sure, but the blurring of the lines between marketing and quality or communications and IT or whatever it is, right? It's just not quite as clear 
for some of these start and stop more. So you mentioned patient experience, and I think that's a very logical one as we think about uh, social media and, and online presence and things like that. So what types of conversations are you guys and, and projects are y'all engaging in with, with those folks? Well, recently we um, had someone from patient experience talk about just using empathy, yeah, just incorporating empathy into our responses. Stacy mentioned we're using templates. We want to be sure that we're not sending the same message to every person who has a similar um, comment, that we want to customize it for that person, empathize with them, hold their hand, walk them through whatever they're going through, because we really never know what type of vulnerable situation they are in. And um, typically, if they are at Mayo Clinic, it's a very serious condition. So um, we want to be sure that we are providing the level of service that Mayo Clinic is known for, even if it's not medical care we're providing. It's communications via social media. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Matson of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. Yeah, and I mean, it sounds like, I mean, with 4 million followers, we're going to keep mentioning that just so you guys stay <laughs> scared. But with 4 million followers, or 4 million people in your larger social reach, there's only a handful of you. I mean, I know that there's other people that support this. The three of you don't represent the whole team, but you're, you know, a big part of the team. It sounds like, as you were describing this, Audrey, Lane, um, that it's like there's a lot of, are you, it doesn't sound like you're automating everything, right? That there's a lot of manual as well. Like you want to intercede that human element. Margaret, can you talk a little bit about like how do you go, how do you balance that? How much time do you spend on you know all of this? Sure, and Stacy can chime in because she does the bulk of the work mm. um, Monday through Friday. Um, but I think there are with the social media management system that we use, there are ways to automate, and we are looking into AI how to kind of automate some of our processes, but I'm always hesitant because I don't want to lose that human touch. I think that's so important, especially in the, the realm of healthcare, that we are looking at the messages and we are engaging, and that's why people go to social media. Because mm. anymore, if you do pick up the phone, you're gonna hit get that dreaded automated message where it says press one or press two, and usually I'm yelling into the phone, I want to talk to a person, because I want to talk to a person. I want to make sure that I'm getting the right care. And by kind of going through all of the comments, we still right now are going through all the comments and reading and just even liking a post, people can still get excited by that, especially if Mayo Clinic is liking their post. Sometimes we even get called out that, hey, Mayo Clinic liked my post and it was three minutes, you know, that I posted this and people are excited. So I think having mm -hmm. that human touch still there is really important in our field. Stacy, you want to add something to that? 
I would agree, and I think um, coming from the customer service um, standpoint, um, myself in Mayo Clinic, um, I worked in different areas, and just bringing that live conversation, making sure you're using it in the web now, I mean, because that's where, on the internet, because that's where people are going. They're mm -hmm. changing it, but don't lose that, that human touch. It's kind of balancing that fine line of people that don't want to talk to people, but they yeah. want to know that there's actually real people right. that they're communicating with, yeah. just not verbally. Right. Right. right? Or mm -hmm. orally, maybe. Yeah, well, so when people, when, obviously you guys get a fair amount of interaction online, certainly. Um, talk about the process a little bit. There's the things that you can fix or answer, you know, offhand with the templates and things like that, but a bigger issue happens or something, you know, I don't want to say crisis, but there's something that's a little bit of a different elevation. What, what does that process look like? So you see that come in. And then what is, what is y'all's process for handling that? Sure. Okay. <laughs> so, um, in terms of like a social media incident, which uh, is something that we started planning for a year or two ago because we know that all hospitals have like an, an incident command system um, for hospital incidents, but there are more social media incidents that happen than in-person hospital incidents. So I started working on a SNCC plan or social media <laughs> incident command system plan. SMICS? And SMICS, yeah. Social Media Incident Command Center. System. System. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, go ahead. Go on. <laughs> yeah, I know. Everyone write that down. We developed this because we had several incidents that came up and every time it was kind of an ad hoc team of people gathering without a formal process to follow. So um, we started looking at what the process is, regardless of the situation, who are the people that need to be involved, and that we created a decision tree. So if it is a media crisis that is emerging on social media, so like CNN or ABC, yep. another larger media outlet, um, if there's a crisis there, then who are the people we need to work with mm. to ensure that we are using the same messages in person and on social media and um, that we are handling that situation effectively um, and try to get it to end as quickly as mm -hmm. possible. Um, we just want to mitigate any of those situations that may arise. Um, also, media is probably going to be the, the first type of incident that we would prepare for, but you know, there are also other incidents like with patients. Um, I know there were, um, there have just been some facility like structural type things, plumbing, just things that come up from time to time um, due to the age of our facilities here. And um, sometimes that becomes an issue on social media. And we want to be sure that we're, again, working with the right people to ensure that the right messages are being sent out. And then um, we mentioned uh, this week, I think it was we in someone's um, discussion, um, we talked about an issue that arose where we had a parody account 
that mentioned Mayo Clinic on Twitter, and um, it was very political in nature, and um, was just wrong on a lot of different levels. And so we need to be prepared for that and know that um, anyone who's on Twitter can report an account, and we, not only our team um, did we do that, but we also asked our colleagues and they went in communications to log on to their personal account, report the parody account, and um, Margaret, it was you, it just came to me that you, you mentioned that. Um, so, you did? Stacey, I'm sorry. It was, it was Stacey. All of us probably so We probably all have. We all have. But, um, but yeah, they ended up, Twitter made the um, tweet come down, but because it was a parody account, unfortunately, they didn't shut down the mm. account because, like, as a parody account, it's yeah. somehow protected. It's protected, yeah, absolutely. And then people took pictures of it, and then it still pops up two yeah. years later. So. It lives on. Once it's on the internet, you can't yeah. take it off, right? Four million, four yeah. million followers. <laughs> <laughs> So we talked about crisis. We talked about some communications. I'm interested in how you guys work with um, marketing. Margaret, can you talk a little bit about like, do you guys? How do you intersect with the marketing team? Because marketing does use these yes. tools, right? Yes, uh, we work very closely with our marketing team, and I'm smiling at Tony as he's in the crowd for marketing. <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll use an example with Tony's team. Um, we we have different campaigns that go on. And so usually one of the aspects of the campaign is utilizing images on social media, putting the message out there on social media. So once the marketing decides that they're starting up a campaign, they usually will bring in one, a member of our team. And so we kind of consult with them on social media strategy, what if the messages they're creating are going to be good for, like are right for social media, if they have the right hashtags, if they have the right image sizes. And then once the campaign's ready to go, we usually have built out a content calendar. And so that content calendar usually gets passed on to Stacy, and then she schedules the, schedules the messages. Mm -hmm. um, another way we work with marketing is actually on strategies around um, organic posts to what we call boosted posts. So putting out a message organically and getting that social proof. Um, having the, the post get the likes, get the comments, get the engagements, and once it hits a certain threshold, our marketing team will decide if they want to put funds behind it or not. And we've seen lots of success from that. And really that social proof is, you know, people already are engaging with that content, and we just want to push it even further to our specific audiences. Interesting. Interesting. Well, who does the advertising or the buying of the, is that is that your team, or do you work with Outside departments, or how does that work? Um, so at Mail Clinic, we kind of, um, it, it goes two ways. Marketing does a lot of their social ads, and mm -hmm. then our team also does a, does have some funds to do for awareness. So we live in communications, so our goal is that engagement, is that broad awareness. Um, hopefully we get some demand generation in there as well. That's always great, but our first goal is really for that awareness. So we do have some funds that we're pushing that we use to push our messages to a very broad audience. Interesting, interesting. When we think about like communications and marketing and, and laddering up to the bigger brand, because it sounds like you're all very conscientious about representing the brand correctly. Um, can one of you talk about a little bit about, you know, like do you see this as like a continuum? Like is how does marketing and communications, public affairs, how do they all fit together? Are they set, they're working in different interests or are they 
you kind of outlined, Margaret, a little bit about how they're connected. But, you know, Stacey or Audrey Lane, do you have examples of where maybe one can inform the other? Yeah, so um, in my experience working with marketing, uh, I work with my marketing team in Florida daily. Um, we sit in the same space, although, as Margaret said, we're in communications and marketing is a separate division. I know that my marketing team is looking at the organic posts too. If they see comments, um, I may not know that a department they are at the marketing is advertising for. Um, I may not know if they have any capacity, mm -hmm. but if they're advertising for it, then I would assume that they do. Mm -hmm. um, if there is a department that is mentioned in an organic post, however, um, then we may or may not know about mm -hmm. their issue, their capacity issues. So if marketing sees that we have an organic post and maybe they have a ton of capacity and they want to boost it, then we'll work together on that. Um, on the other side, if we are having, maybe we have a, seri a content series mm -hmm. for a certain department and then they reach a point where they are not accepting new patients at that time, mm -hmm. then we need to pull that content. Mm -hmm. um, so I work with them on just the content that's going out organically, as well as the, the messaging. So I want to pivot just a little bit. So you guys have a, an awful lot of physicians that practice at Mayo that are, are very well thought of or experts in their field, certainly. Um, how, how do you guys work alongside, because obviously the, uh, part of the mission, I guess, of the social media network is to train and educate and equip a lot of these doctors and other clinicians to participate online. So. What is y'all's role to like come alongside, or how does that work that, that y'all kind of participate collaboratively? Sure. Um, we work very closely with our physicians. A lot of the way that we get introduced is either through marketing, if they know of a specific physician that is interested in social, or we get social media consults. Mm -hmm. um, we have a general email box that Stacy helps kind of shepherd out the request, and so. Um, you know, I'll usually get an email saying, oh, this physician is interested in social media, would you go meet with them? And so I've sat down and I've helped physicians open up Twitter accounts and help to tell them that, you know, Twitter isn't evil, you know, it's okay, we can start baby steps on opening up a Twitter account. Um, we also believe very strongly in reputation management. So a lot of the times I'm going into physicians and letting them know that by having a Twitter account, by having like a LinkedIn account by also having some content out on YouTube, you're going to increase your organic content, which Google loves, and Google will hopefully then populate that content above those review sites that we cannot control. Mm. Um, so we really do encourage our, our physicians to utilize social media, and one thing that our team is starting to do a little bit more of is actually retweet our physicians from the main mail clinic account. You know, so if a physician has some content out there that is really great, uh, we'll go ahead and we'll retweet it or we'll like it. A lot of our physicians are out tweeting at conferences, and so I know when I'm on weekend monitoring, I know Stacy does this too, and probably Audrey Lane does too. We'll like those tweets and we'll let them know that hey, we see you out here. We see that you're you're using social media and you're representing the clinic, and 
we want to make sure that we're encouraging that great content creation. Awesome. And what I heard though is Stacy's like the ultimate gatekeeper of all of those. Yeah. <laughs> How does that power feel for you there, Stacy? It's it's good. <laughs> <laughs> that speaks to something a little bit bigger. Um, in that you you're kind of at Mayo, you have a different philosophy around you're wanting your physicians to be involved on social yeah, media. Yeah, so a lot of our content, right? too, is, um, highlights a physician, and if there's comments or questions about that specific area, mm-hmm. many of the physicians will respond to mm-hmm. our questions to them and ask them, you know, if they can help in any way with their, with their question. Right, right. Or provide a response. So we have a question online. Um, <laughs> Are they really? Uh, uh, yeah. Gotta check. Okay. So questions around mock, mock codes or mock drills, things like that. So hospitals you know, do disaster repair this type work, right? And uh, I can remember when we did this at the hospital that I was at before the internet existed, pretty much. And um, like my my role as the director of marketing was to carry two sheets of paper that had like media members' names on, like down the hall, and I sit in the position dining room all day. So, um, which is awesome, but um, are, are you all participating in those types of like disaster preparedness type work? Like what, what does that look like? Yeah, so we have um, a red crisis binder. I don't know if anybody else at their organization has this wonderful oh, yes. red binder. I have one at home, I have one at work, so I'm prepared. You have a vest. Uh, I do not have a vest. <laughs> now I want a vest. But, um, so we have the red binder, and we will have crisis drills. And our team has an activation chart, and usually Lee is the first one who is activated. And we do drills um, with communi- within communications, and some drills are with the whole hospital as well. Um, and so we kind of prepare, you know, if we as we start to get the props from within those drills, we have a master control, and so we're at the table with all of the other directors, kind of thinking out loud of what our process would be. Um, we have, we do, there is a program that sometimes we'll put in like the, the fake tweets or the fake posts and sometimes they're just really off the wall. Mm. And I'm like this, I, I want to say that this would happen, but I really don't think this would. So the one place that I still want a little bit more um, to be desired is actual like really being able to get in there and be able to interact because you can prepare so much in a drill, but once you're in it live, like when we had the parody account, you you can't really prepare for that until you're in that situation. Mm-hmm. But we do try. You don't have the parody account side in the red binder. No, no. <laughs> that was not the red binder. The parody account was not in the red binder. Well, you guys are painting a really nice picture. I mean, everything seems to be going well, right? So you guys have no issues with managing your social media. Or <laughs> <laughs> right, well, let's talk about that. I mean, what are some of the challenges that you face? The challenge would be just keeping up on the amount of content that's coming in because we we do push out a lot um we mentioned earlier this week too that we try to put out at least 12 facebook posts a day so all of those create comments 12 a day that's yeah i know so with that comes a lot of comments and so keeping up on that response keeping up on you know that two three hour response time Mm -hmm. um but also when we put out big news stories, like one of them, our first face transplant a couple years ago, we didn't, I mean, we prepared ahead of time with our media relations team and what type of responses we might get, but we had no idea the impact that we would, that it would have on our team. I mean, we had thousands of comments within mm-hmm. hours. So we, then we bring in everybody to help mm-hmm. keep up on those. And that really took off on Reddit, which was something that we 
weren't prepared for. Right. So mm. we had to kind of have an all hands on deck mm -hmm. um, team to monitor each platform. <laughs> right. One thing that, um, and I might be stealing Audrey Lane's point she wanted to make later so you can chime in, <laughs> but it's just also staying up to date on all of the new social media networks. Um, you know, we still get every once in a while that, what are you guys doing on Snapchat? And while we do have a strategy around Snapchat and geo filters, and we think that's a really great way to use Snapchat, we, don't ha we haven't found the content to be on Snapchat. And so really talking through people with like, what is your strategy on Snapchat? I don't think you're gonna get conversions from Snapchat. Um, and then just TikTok, we had to go and claim our account on TikTok the other day. Mm. And we found out there's already three male clinics out there on TikTok and they're not us. Oh. So we reported them. <laughs> we reported them, but that's just like, you have to stay up to date wow. constantly wow. and trying wow. to think of, you know, I have no clue what TikTok is. I think it's like mine. Stacy's children are on TikTok, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> so it's just like I'll have TikTok. We'll do one later. Okay. <laughs> See, but it's just like you trying to stay always up to date and finding that time. Yeah. Tip: Claim your organization's <laughs> profiles on every platform that comes up, even if you don't have content for it yet. Go ahead and claim the account. So how many of you are now just looking at TikTok in your hospital? Yeah, yeah I'm downloading it right now. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the, keeping ahead of what's, you know, what's out there, Mayo Clinic and your social media team, you were known as being like sort of thought leaders, the trailblazers in this space. How do you all, you know, stay on top of that? I mean, obviously you can only throw one conference a year, right, and bring all the experts here. What are other ways that you stay on top of um, what's happening out there? Lucy or Audrey Lane? Well, podcasts oh. are a great way. <laughs> uh, That's an endorsement for us, Reed. <laughs> in addition to touch point or touch space point, um, <laughs> in addition to touch point, there are a lot of other um, marketing and even social media specific podcasts. So I encourage you to find the one that resonates with you most and, or the, the multiple ones that do and Subscribe to them, listen to them while you're traveling, and when you just have some downtime. Stacy so, curates our news yes. you can use. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's on our social media network if you haven't joined yet. Socialmedia.org. <laughs> so I look for content um, to post on there every day. I enjoy going to industry conferences, um, and so HCIC is one that I really enjoy going to, and just listening to other people in healthcare and kind of what they're doing and being able to generate ideas that way. Okay, I, I can't let a podcast go without asking about how you guys do measurement. What does measurement look like? So we look at some top metrics every week at our team meeting. We have some goals that we're, we're looking to achieve quarterly, um, and Stacey pulls together our metrics. We use our social media management system actually to really provide most of our metrics. So we have all of the metrics in one place. We're not going from platform to platform. Mm -hmm. um, and what we really say is our mother of all metrics is shares. Because again, we're in communications, we're really looking for that amplification and brand awareness. So we look at shares, what content is really resonating with our followers. Um, and so we look at our, our top three posts in terms of shares and then also in terms of clicks. So, well, yes, we want our content shared. We also want people to go to our website. Um, and so once we, we look to see if there's trends, you know, what is really resonating this week? What are people really wanting to share and how can we maybe create more of that content? One of the things we found too with, 
with measurement those are with our top three clicks um, for tweets is we can retweet them um, multiple times and they'll keep growing each week Ooh. so that's we, another pro tip right there. Yeah, to reuse your Retweet content. your own tweets. <laughs> Not retweet. Share it again. Share it again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'll add that we recently started looking at our top three uh, posts in terms of engagement on Instagram as well yeah. Yeah. because we were looking at Facebook and Twitter, and Instagram has kind of exploded in the last year um, for us. And I feel like we um, sometimes don't pay enough attention to Instagram because that's not where the bulk of our followers are. Mm -hmm. But it's growing, and we just 194,000. <laughs> so we had a presentation earlier today from Subi Zimmerman, who is the Instagram expert on Instagram, and. Um, she shared that it's actually more active than Facebook now. Hmm. So I think we'll, I hope we'll be able to start putting some more resources behind that too. Mm -hmm. So along those lines, how has your view of social media changed? It could be a platform or utilization or the way you think about it as a whole uh, from kind of when we first started this journey. How are you guys thinking about social media differently? I think of social media, so personally, I look at social media platforms as communities now, instead of just as a way to share pictures and mm. stuff. Um, I've become a lot more involved in different communities on different platforms. And then professionally, I think of our patients and our followers as the same way. Like, they follow us because they want to be part of the Mayo Clinic community. And I think it's our job, as, not just as a social media team, but as communicators, to cultivate that community and give them exactly what they need when they need it. I think it's just going to continue to grow in figuring out where our, our customers are going to be. Um, right now, obviously, Facebook, but will that be the same five years from now? I think my view of social media has changed. At first, it was really great to put your message up there. Now, I think it's really becoming more of a customer service platform. And I think we've seen that, especially with Facebook, and being able to really integrate your team. So working with our patient experience um, office and really making sure that the customer is being heard. And I think that's just going to continue to grow. Um, as people don't want to channel shift, we don't want to keep directing them to the phone right away. So I think that's really where um, Social media has changed for me. I think this is the point where we're going to go out into the audience, maybe, and ask a couple of questions. <laughs> so Reed is going to go out there with a the microphone. Anybody have a question? Hi. Hi. Um, so how did you come to be posting on Facebook 12 times a day? Um, is that, <laughs> I, obviously it works, so I want to know like what you think of consistency because I feel like we post too much but hearing that that's we did a study um, about a year or so ago where we posted was four. It four, four eight, eight and twelve times a day for three, three weeks, weeks. Yeah. and so from that we found that the more we post the more we had engagement so we were looking at total engagement because that's kind of the metric that we were tracking and so we found that total engagement grew the more that you posted 
There's a blog post on the Mayo Clinic social media network. Socialmedia.mailclinic.org. Showing the results. <laughs> That's a good question. So then your next is what, 32, 64? Is that, you know, yeah. I know that sounds like, that may sound crazy to some of you, but yeah. I encourage you to see what works for your page. Your test numbers may be two, four, and six posts per day. Do what works for you. Mm -hmm. Hi guys. This might be a little personal, but I'm wondering what you guys are measured on, you know, in your goals. Um, so I know we each kind of strive for to do different projects. Um, so one thing that I really am excited for, and um, after this conference we'll have more time to do, um, is really work on our Instagram stories. And I know we heard about that with CB Zimmerman, and really focusing more on how we can and what we can highlight and what will work in that space. And one thing that we we have implemented so far is stories on our campuses. But I know that's one of the projects that, that I'm excited for. Mm -hmm. Each year we set three goals just for ourselves. For example, one of those was to really become embedded into our research shield. So you may not know, but the Mayo Clinic logo is three shields. The biggest one is patient care, but the other two are for education and research. So I wanted to become embedded in the research area and really help bring them into the light of day on social media because they stay hidden away in their labs. So Margaret and I work together. Um, with our research communications staff to develop a social media toolkit for researchers. All right, another great episode. Thanks, uh, special thanks to everyone here listening, but also our esteemed panel of Mayo Clinic social media experts. Uh, this has been a great conversation and obviously a great conference. Again, touchpoint.health is the website. We really appreciate the support and uh, all the subscribers we plan to get from this conference. <laughs> um, all right, so before uh, we wrap up the show, a couple of recommendations. Mm -hmm. I'll start. I'm going to take the easy one. Uh -oh. I'm going to recommend that uh, people listening should check out social media, socialmedia.medical.org, and uh, go ahead and put the dates for next year or the fall of next year on your calendar to attend this conference. It's a great conference. We've been doing this for some years. Chris and I, of course, have been a number of years now. And uh, it's just a, it's a really unique opportunity to come and be able to really meet some uh, great folks and learn quite a bit. So that's my recommendation. Awesome. Margaret, you want to go next? Sure. Um, I am going to recommend a podcast and it's called Terrible Thanks for Asking. Um, so usually, you know, people go up to you and ask, how are you doing? And you usually say, okay, or great, or well. This really gets at those moments of life when you're not, and you might be terrible, and talking about those stories. So I usually listen, I commute, I'm from Minneapolis, and I listen to it on the bus. Most of the time I'm trying to hold back tears, so I'm not crying in front of people. Um, but it's a really great podcast and really gets at some really um, heart-wrenching stories. Stacy. I will recommend coffee if you're new to Rochester. I would check out Mocha. They have a great Blanco Americano. Oh. oh wow. <laughs> wow. Where, now, where is that at? It's right down in the Peace by Chester's. Oh. Yeah. 
Really wow, we'll have to go check that one out. That's a good recommendation. Anything mentioning coffee, we both read and I's ears perk up. All right, Audrey Lane. All right, so sometimes you may hear from internal staff of a really great patient story, but then when you reach out to the patients, maybe they're not ready to talk about their health just yet. So you're not at a dead end, though. Work with the staff to learn how you can still create a post out of it. Maybe it's not a patient story, but what about that patient makes them unique? And then could you use imaging or um, any other visual tool to still make it a great post? Wow, that's not that's a practical tip yeah. too. That's that is Steve. That's a good one. You got a little bit of extra information there at the end. All right, what I'm going to recommend is it's interesting. I'm recommending it because I've been talking about it for the last week. How many of you know that YouTube now is engaging in stories? Yeah, YouTube has launched a stories platform. Here we go. Yeah, if you up 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 uh, upgrade your mobile uh, YouTube app. Um, you can see now YouTube has stories, and the stories are being federated by what we know as established brands. Well, I, uh, I keep talking about it like, how could they be doing stories? Everybody else is doing stories. Is, is LinkedIn going to do stories now? You know, I mean, what is going on? But um, actually, this morning, I was kind of scrolling through, and I'm like, wait a second. The video editing platforms that YouTube provides for people to do this, the content that's being created there, it's very, very little right now. But it promises to be a really interesting platform. Um, and I went online, and these video editing platforms are totally free. So I know that people have been using TikTok to do editing for their videos to put on Instagram. Blew your mind for a second if you thought about that. But um, I think YouTube has, has a killer video editing, editing app for their YouTube stories. So that's what I'm going to recommend. Well, there you go. Good recommendations. Another great show. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. For Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.